This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him. On that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, in our gospel lesson, Jesus isn't only speaking to those Pharisees. He's also speaking to you. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. And in the very same way, you should also love your neighbor as yourself. Don't just gloss over those words as we so often do when we read the Scriptures. When Jesus says these things in our Gospel lesson, He means them. That is what you are supposed to do. Love. Completely. Totally. You are to love both God and your fellow man. All of the law, Jesus says, can be summarized in that word, love. If Adam and Eve would have loved God and each other properly, there would have been no fall into sin. If Pharaoh would have loved both God and his fellow man properly, he would have never aborted Babies, by drowning them in the Nile. His son would have never held a people in slavery. If David would have loved God and man properly, he would have never disobeyed God by cheating with another man's wife and then murdering the man to cover up the affair. The nation of Israel had loved God and man properly. 
Nebuchadnezzar's army would have never destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And yet all those things happened. And that's because since the fall into sin, no one loves properly. Our human nature, which God designed to love completely, has been broken by sin. The love that God designed humanity to share with those others in existence has been curved inward upon oneself. Scarcely any love goes where it ought to go, where God desires it to go. Instead, our sinful natures love only when we think it benefits us. Jesus points out this sin of mankind in our gospel lesson for today. A lawyer of the Pharisees is trying to trap our Lord Jesus Christ during Holy Week. He asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He's expecting to embarrass Jesus with a heated theological discussion as a result of his question. He expects Jesus to say something like this, it's more important that you go to church than it is that you love your wife. Or maybe it's more important to be circumcised than it is not to steal. The lawyer is expecting an answer like this. And in typical lawyer fashion, he's prepared to argue to show everyone that Jesus isn't so smart. Unfortunate for him, Jesus is ready. Jesus answers the question in such a great way to emphasize the importance of God's law as a whole. Love God. Love neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of all the law. Love is the most important commandment of God. You should love your wife just like you love God. You should love your neighbor. You should love your family. You should love your congregation. Love. All the law boils down to love. And with that answer, the divine word of Jesus shuts down the lawyer's argument before it can ever get going. The law of God in its truth and purity shuts the mouths of sinners who seek to argue with God. The answer that Jesus gives all those years ago is just as true today for us as it was back then. God requires us to love him and to love one another. 
perfect love is what God demands from you sitting here in the pew. If you desire to save yourself, you must perfectly love. God loves it when you love him, when you come to his house, when you gladly hear his word, when you sing the hymns of his word, when you receive his gifts. God loves it when you love him. And God loves it when you love your neighbor. God loves it when husbands love their wives, when wives love their husbands, when families love each other, when neighbors love each other, when everyone cares for each other's need in love. God loves love. And he desires you to love. It is a true commandment. So how have you done? How has your love been working lately? Have you loved perfectly? Have you loved everyone? Have you loved God? Sadly, sin has broken our heart's ability to love properly. Our love is stained with sin and our own guilt. Our love is curved inward on ourselves. So husbands, wives, children, and grandchildren often are in conflict with one another. Church congregations bicker and fight, often over small things like the color of the carpet or what temperature to set the thermostat or what flavor of coffee will we serve during fellowship hour. Our love is often given to things instead of to God or people. We love our money, always wanting more of it, hoarding it up for a rainy day. We love our status, our influence. We love our smart-alecky Facebook or Twitter posts, but not the people they harm. We love our house. We love the way our lawn has every blade the exact same height, evenly spaced, and how you can see the lines of the lawnmower. We love our car. We wax it and keep it clean and in the garage so we can show off on the street. We love our new fall fashion line, but not our God. Our love is broken by our sin.
just like the Pharisees' love was broken. You see, what Jesus said in the law is true. To save ourselves, we must perfectly love, completely, totally, with no failures, no shortcomings, no mistakes. But we've failed miserably. That's why Jesus doesn't let the lawyer's legal question be the end of the conversation. Instead, Jesus turns the table and asks the Pharisees a question. They've asked him a law question, and now he will ask them a question. Whose son is the Christ? The Pharisees answer right away, the son of David. That's the right answer in a legalistic sort of way. Yes, the Christ is promised to be a descendant of David. But there's more to the story, Jesus says. The Christ is the son of David, and the Christ is also the son of God. That's what David himself confessed in the Psalms. That's what David said in the words of the Holy Scripture. Jesus has answered their legalist question, and now he asks them a gospel question to direct their eyes not to the law, not to their works of love, not to trying to save themselves, but instead to the Son of David and the Son of God. Jesus asks them a gospel question, a good news question, so that they might consider God's perfect love. A love that teaches that God has saved us from our sin by his own perfect life, innocent suffering and death, that we may be his own possession and live under him in his kingdom. You see, the scriptures are clear, not only about how we ought to love, but also how God has loved us by sending his son Jesus for us. That sin that has broken your heart, that stopped you from loving as God commands, has all been lovingly placed on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of David. Jesus bore your sins to the cross. He bled and died for you. That's God's love for you. And he rose from the dead for your salvation so that you might belong to God forever, world without end. 
so that your death might not be your end, but only a short-lived, ended thing. Jesus loves you completely, totally, indescribably, without any failures, shortcomings, or faults. He still bestows his love upon you. He washes away your sin in the waters of holy baptism. Not just once, but every day your sinful nature is drowned in those waters. He feeds you with the food of heaven. His own body and blood in with and under bread and wine for your forgiveness. He forgives your sins. Not just theoretically, not just in your heart. He speaks the forgiveness of sins to you through the sinful lips of your pastor. God brings his word to you. God loves you. God is love, in fact, incarnate. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his only son for us. And all those gifts that come with it. And so, in God's love, you are forgiven completely. God's love makes you whole. It sets you free from sin, death, and slavery to Satan. You are a Christian because of God's love. Now, dear Christian, don't ignore the first part of our gospel lesson because of the second part of our gospel lesson. God's law of love is still true. Jesus himself said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. God still desires you to love. And the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus sets you free to do so. To be glad to receive God's word. To be glad to have compassion on your neighbor. To be glad to love in the very same way that God has loved you. You should love. But you will not save yourself by loving. Only Christ has saved you. His blood, His sacrifice, His love which covers all of your shortcomings. Jesus only is our salvation. And in his love, we love one another. 
The law is true. It is good. It is wise. The gospel is true. It cleanses us from sin and brings us into God's kingdom. Hold both of these teachings dear. Study both of these doctrines. Be glad that God speaks them to you because your entire Christian life is caught up in both of these realities, law and gospel, just as Jesus teaches in our scripture lesson for today. We don't trust our salvation to the law of love, even as we strive to fulfill it. We are saved only by the love of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.